You're listening to Casey Forum with Kathy Quinn. Public affairs with an entertaining spin. Hey, everybody. Kathy Quinn here, as you heard, from Fox 4. And this is podcast number 12. Can't believe it. Love it. Love to uh, find out what's going on in and around the community. Of course, as you heard, it's public affairs with an entertaining spin. We'll be talking about um, gun sales, particularly to women. They've been on the increase within the last year. And we're going to talk to Bren Brown from Frontier Justice. Find out uh, about this trend. Also, we are going to learn all about a married couple, 35 years. And they've been together a lot, obviously, for many years. But during COVID, oh my goodness, what did they decide to do? A COVID couples podcast. It's Ted Ishler, Beth Albright. She was in radio here in Kansas City for a while. Ted was uh, at the NBC affiliate. When I worked there, he was hilarious. And these two are so funny. So we'll listen to uh, why they started this podcast. And they've got some tips there for us to stay together. 35 years. Can you believe it? And we will hear all about Building Hope for Autism. Maria Stone Street, her heart is so into this. She loves it. She's executive director. And uh, she had a dream. I'll have to tell you about this when we talked to her, but she did have a dream about one of the fundraisers because, you know, it's a hard time right now during the pandemic, but uh, that dream came true and much more. So first up, I'd like you all to help me welcome to podcast number 12, Bren Brown from Frontier Justice. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing very well. And I understand you guys at Frontier Justice, you have a couple locations. You've been unbelievably busy. We have three locations now. We three. opened in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, so we have been unbelievably busy at all locations. Oh, my gosh. Okay, tell us where the locations are right now. Um, we have Lee Summit, Missouri, um, off of Strother Road. Mm-hmm. We have Kansas City, Kansas, in the Legends area, across from um, the Highway 435 on the Schlitterbahn side. We have Omaha, Nebraska, at 82nd and Center. Gosh. Now, when did you open that one? September. Okay. No wonder I didn't know about it. So the reason that I wanted to have you on the show is um, we've done live shots with you before about gun safety. And I had just heard that the gun sales, especially for women, has increased, I mean, uh, crazy. I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody has a specific stat, but I will tell you that nine out of 10 people who have come through our doors in the last nine months or so have been first-time firearm owners, and a lot of them have been women, more than half. What, what are the, what's the reasoning for that? What, what are they saying? Well, um, people are scared. They watch the news at night. They see rioting, looting, unrest, um, upset over elections. Uh, they're fearful about law changes with the upcoming administration. So each and every one of those, we started back in March with kind of a peak, uh, a wave in sales due to the pandemic, and then the rioting and looting over the summer brought a second wave. Third wave happened around election time, and we're in our fourth wave now with um, the unrest at the Capitol and, and the inauguration and all that happened preceding that. How did you get involved in Frontier Justice? <laughs> we started uh, Frontier Justice six years ago because we believe fervently in faith, family, and freedom. Those are the principles this country was founded upon, and we still believe that there's a, really a majority of the population that believes in those traditional American family values. We wanted to see a resurgence of those, including and not limited to the Second Amendment rights that we have here. So faith is giving back to the community, and we donate um, part of our profits to community good. Families creating an environment where whole families feel welcome coming in, especially women and children. 
And then freedom is a nod to the firearm that law enforcement and veterans have used this tool, this firearm that we sell, mm-hmm. um, in order to protect our freedoms and to keep us safe. All right. So let's talk about the, I mean, can you talk about numbers? It's two times more, three times more, four times uh, more. We have about a 260% increase in business. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And so not only do you sell firearms, you sell other things as well, but you also teach people to use the firearms. We do, and we encourage everyone to take a class when they're buying a firearm, and um, we have, our classes are completely full all the way through April. They are. So So do you have the beginner to the more advanced? I mean, how long does we it do. take? We do, um, we do hour-long firearm fittings. Those have been really popular where it's an individual um, class, if you will, that we will take people out onto the range to shoot, find what caliber they're comfortable shooting, take them back to the sales floor, find a firearm in that caliber that meets their needs. And if we have that in the rental fleet, they'll even go back to the range and shoot the exact firearm before they actually purchase it. Um, wildly popular for all the reasons that you can imagine. Then we have basic pistol one and two, which takes you through the basic parts of a firearm and how to use it properly. Mm-hmm. And then our concealed carry classes obviously have been packed. They've been packed for an entire year um, with people seeking to get their license to conceal and carry. Of course, you don't need that in Missouri and Kansas, but like we always say, if you ever did, God forbid, have to protect your life, you would hope that you had that license when you're standing in front of a court telling them that you had to defend your life, that you went through the training, you understood what you were doing, you trained for it, and um, were, you know, competent. And, and Brent, explain that. Go back a little bit. You're saying it's not required in Missouri and Kansas? It is not. You do not have to have a license to conceal carry in Missouri and Kansas. Um, they've changed those laws, but... Mm. Uh, we encourage you still to go ahead. You can get a license. It's mm-hmm. just not required by law. We encourage everybody to have a license. That's, I didn't realize that. I thought you had to have a license. Okay, so there's, we're learning about that. All right, so when someone comes in and says, hey, I'd like to have something to protect myself, what do you recommend, for instance, like for women? Well, it totally depends on the person. It is a very personal decision on which firearm because, for example, Some women don't have a lot of hand strength, so racking a slide on a semi-automatic pistol is really difficult for them, and some firearms are easier to rack than others, and they might opt to get a revolver because of that, because it's easier to load and they don't have to rack that slide. So there's there's so many things. Some women's hands are very small. Some are more average size, um, grip strength. All of these factors play into what kind of firearm you should have. It's very individualized. That's why we like the firearm fitting and we like classes so people can really understand what they're doing before they actually purchase a firearm. We don't want you to get the wrong firearm. We want it to be the right one. How important is it for you to teach your daughter about this? Oh, crucial. Um, of course, as you might imagine, <laughs> our kids are great shooters. They've, uh, they've learned from the time they were itty bitty. Um, but it's, It's terrifying to have um, a daughter walking around in today's world, Mm -hmm. and um, I'm glad that my daughter has the skills and abilities to protect herself. And then when you were teaching them, um, and is this something that you grew up with yourself? 
Yes, I grew up on a 2,000-acre farm oh. in northeast Missouri, so I learned to shoot when I was young. Um, I won't say that I'm a shooting enthusiast. It surprises a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I do enough to be able to handle it and be able to carry and be confident, but um, shooting sports, not my love. Uh, my husband <laughs> loves it. My son loves it. But, um, you know, a lot of people get into it as a self-defense, and then they are so excited because it's a recreational sport. They love it so much they join leagues. Um, they come and shoot for fun. It's their stress relief. It's just different for everybody. It's different whether they take it as recreation, defense, or both, and it's different um, products for different people. You know, there there is so much more anxiety and stress because of the pandemic and everything, and um, you know, you hear about it, fatigue, depression, anxiety, and obviously that's why these people are coming to you because they're stressed out about something. They're, they're nervous because it's, it's, we've never been through anything like this before. That's right. It's new in the history. I will say that, um, you might be surprised to learn that when people do shooting sports, a lot of people do shooting sports as stress relief. I think there's something to being self-sufficient personally responsible that somehow brings peace to people because they know if danger comes their way they can handle it they have the tools at the ready they know how to shoot they know how to load um, they know how to clear it they know the laws surrounding it by taking some of our classes and whatnot and I think that brings a tremendous amount of peace Mike and I have never been more proud than during this last year to be in the business that we're in because all of these families and these single mothers and women who have walked through our doors and purchased a firearm for the first time, they're taking out of our store peace. They're uh. taking out peace of mind and security. It feels really good to give people that. I pray nobody ever has to use a firearm that we sell for self-defense or for any kind of defensive situation. Mm-hmm. But I'm so proud that if they're in that situation, they have something to protect themselves with. Absolutely. It's their peace of mind. Bren Brown, thank you so very much. Frontier Justice, if people want to call about classes or call to inquire about things that you do there at the store, what number? It's it's best to go on the website, which is frontier-justice.com. Um, they can certainly call the store at 816-336-2600. All right. You're wonderful. Thank you so very much and good luck. Thank you. Okay. Stay safe. All right. We got more in the way. Stay with us. Hang on, there's more on the way with Kathy Quinn and Casey Forum. You are listening to Casey Forum with Kathy Quinn, my podcast. And we have Maria Stone Street coming in next. I just love her. She's very, very passionate about what she does. And what she does is executive director of Building Hope for Autism. Now, Maria, tell me, how did this get started? And how old are you guys? Because you're pretty young. We would have been a year launched in April. Uh, So a year and a half old. Um, Of course, in April, we had to cancel everything. Uh, that we had going and we had so much lined up because April is Autism Awareness Month. So we had so much lined up that um, just didn't pan out. So that was hard. How and why did you get involved in the foundation? Um, well, I'm an autism specialist. Uh, that's my area of um, education background. Uh, I was a special ed teacher and uh, autism was my area of interest. And uh, then I became an autism specialist 
and just worked with families and individuals on the autism spectrum. I had my own consulting business. I lived in Chicago at the time, uh, right outside the city in the North Burbs. Um, and then I wanted to come back home, be around my parents and um, my family. And um, when I got back here, um, I didn't have, you know, the uh, reputation or the contacts or I'd been gone for 13 years. I went to KU, um, great school for what I did. And um, so I uh, did lots of, lots of things, um, worked on some grants, um, did some substitute teaching, um, just did, did little things until I met uh, Paul Barnes and Dr. Sean Sabin at another charity event here in Kansas City. A mutual friend introduced us. Uh, she knew I was looking for something. She knew about their passion for autism. Sean um, has a niece, Stella, with autism, and Paul has a grandson, uh, Josh, with autism. And they had um, been wanting to do something, and they had been um, putting side, aside money uh, to do something. And um, we started talking, and the next thing, uh, we started a foundation. And um, then that's how we we did it, and we just jumped in. They'd never started a been involved in a foundation. I'd never been a director of a foundation. I just come from the um, side of knowing what uh, it's like. As I don't have a family member with autism, but I've worked with so many families and what it's like when they get that diagnosis, what it's like when they're in the school systems and where there's gaps and holes and what some, a foundation like what we are, what we can provide and, and fill those holes. There's already so many great organizations in Kansas City doing so many wonderful things. And um, one of the things that I really uh, believe in is working together. We work better together and building relationships with uh, those uh, other organizations and uh, partnering with them. What is autism? I think that's the biggest question. You know, there you talk about the umbrella of autism. You talk about what is it? Is it misunderstood, Maria? Um, I believe it is, yes. Autism, basically, if you boil it down, you'll get different answers from different people depending on what they do. I'm not a medical doctor, but autism is a um, communication disorder. It's the ability to communicate mm. effectively in your daily life. So if we think about it in that way, it boils it down. Maybe people can understand it a little bit better that way. Um, oftentimes, um, people on the spectrum can can be nonverbal. Uh, other times they're very verbal. It, it just, it's, it's a spectrum. So it can be from, from um, being very verbal or not verbal at all. And, and, it, and then everything in between. So figuring out how to work best with where those, those individuals are on the spectrum. Absolutely. People have their own versions and everything. Um, but it's obviously get, come to the front uh, people are talking about it. Uh, with the foundation, what is the goal? Is it to find a cure? Is it to find a cause? What is the mission of your foundation? Being a new foundation, we weren't sure where we wanted to be in the space. There were so many great things already going on, organizations doing great things. So we took the, a good part of a year and a half really to uh, figure out exactly where we wanted to make an impact and how we wanted to help the community. And one of the areas that we found um, 
is um, the area of uh, sensory items um, that um, individuals on the autism spectrum need. Um, so we started a, a grant, uh, we, uh, we were awarded a grant from the Shiny Mission Rotary and um, the grant that we proposed was to fund uh, something we call the Sensory Project and it provides sensory tools for at-home use for individuals on the spectrum. So what that means is um, sometimes um, the ability to communicate, um, they might need an iPad to do that, um, uh, weighted blankets, noise canceling headphones. So we really have filled that uh, void. There's nothing um, that we're aware of that does that here in Kansas City. We're on a referral basis. We work closely with um, different identified partners here in Kansas City, a couple of the hospitals, um, some other organizations that work with individuals on the spectrum. So um, if they know uh, of a family that's in need, they put them in contact with me and our foundation works um, to see if we can fill, fill that need for them. So far, we've been able to award um, four iPads through COVID. We're awarding uh, two next week. Um, we've awarded several weighted blankets and um, we um, are always raising the funds to be able to do that. Uh, we also provide community education in Kansas City and um, I did some training for the Shiny Mission Fire Department. I'm always looking for opportunities to educate because when we know better, we do better. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also provide educational scholarships. That's something that's new to us and we're getting involved in. We want to um, uh, provide scholarships for um, not only education, but for work for uh, individuals that need uh, employment um, and um, camp scholarships. Education being if someone on the spectrum wants to go to college, helping with that. If it's a teacher going back to school and or um, going to school to be a special educator, um, we will consider donating um, a scholarship to them. It's uh, all on a referral basis. So if you know someone who knows someone who knows someone and they get in touch with me, we I present it to our board of directors and we vote and we uh, decide, you know, how to move forward from there. You're very passionate about this. Yes, um, it, was, it was something that came to me when I was in college. I wasn't even in school to be an educator or anything. And I took a, um, I, I graduated from college and I came back to Kansas City and I had a friend who's now on my board, which is crazy, Catherine Holmes. She taught special ed and I would go to her class. I had a sales job and I hated selling hair care products. Uh, so I'd go to her classroom and she's like, Maria, you need to go back to school. So I go back to school, taking some classes. I took a child psych class and it was one chapter in the 90s, one chapter on autism and I was fascinated and that's all it took. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And um, then finished up my undergrad in education and then went to KU and got my master's degree in special ed in the area of autism and then uh, worked uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and then moved to um, uh, the Chicago area when um, back in the late 90s, and then was gone for um, quite some time. Um, but- um, We're talking about your passion and, and why do you think Building Hope for Autism is a much needed nonprofit here in Kansas City? We, we identify holes that, um, that there's other organizations aren't currently 
aren't currently filling. Mm -hmm. So um, the sensory project, which we totally um, have, we just finished um, last in December, we did 10 iPads in 10 days campaign to raise money for 10 iPads in 10 days. We hadn't been able to raise any money since the pandemic had started. Mm. And I, one night I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I was like, I had a dream about <laughs> raising money for 10 iPads in 10 days. Those iPads can help so many people. So we, I worked with someone who helped me create some graphics for it. We've started it on social media. And then we had this beautiful couple that I, I met um, and they offered Jed and Derek Hanty to uh, match our donation of 10, 10 iPads. So we raised enough for 20 iPads. We raised $20,000 in 10 days. So that really put a shot in our arm to be able to purchase more iPads and um, we'll be able to donate to so many because people don't realize if a student uses an iPad in school and when they graduate, when they age out of this, uh, of the public education system, that iPad does not leave with them. Mm. So if they don't have one at home for home use, they're unable to communicate in their home and in the community. So if they're underinsured or have no insurance, they have no way of communicating. So we're able to partner with, with organizations here in Kansas City, uh, University of Kansas Medical Center, um, Children's Mercy, and they're able to put me in touch with these families that uh, have a strong need and we've been able to award those through the pandemic. God, that's great. So you were kind of, kind of knocked down a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic and everything, but you know, it seems like the, the, the passion is still there. It's still going, it's going to happen. So many nonprofits has it, has it hurt you pretty badly? Well, it, we were, so we were kind of lucky there in the beginning. Um, in April, um, I'm related to someone that many people know. Uh, he's a great supporter of Kansas City and uh, Eric Stone Street. And he had um, played on um, who, the celebrity edition of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And he identified um, his charity of choice as Building Hope for Autism. I'm going to get emotional talking. Oh. Um, I think I'll be able to get through an interview without crying one day. <laughs> um, so um, uh, Eric was able to raise a $62,000. He won 125 on the show, but he had split that um, between Building Hope for Autism and the Nurse Navigation Program at the University of Kansas Medical Center. <gasps> that helped us tremendously. Um, that set us up where we weren't, you know, really scrambling. But had that not happened, yes, we would have really, really um, been struggling. And then in December, like I said, we did the mm -hmm. 10 iPads in 10 days and raised enough for 20 iPads. And um, we're, we are just so fortunate that we have people that believe in our vision and support us. And it uh, makes a huge difference. And I think what happens when you find an area that is so needed, people, people understand and they want to support that because they know, okay, I'm donating this money. It's going to help a family. That iPad is going to change a life. That iPad can change, that one iPad can change a life. Not just the life of that individual, but the life of that family. Oh, my God. That says it all right there. That says it all. So how can people help you right now? 
Well, we're always looking for donations. You can still, we don't want to stop at 20. I think. <laughs> Um, you can visit us at uh, buildinghopeforautism.org. Um, there's a link to donate. We also have an Amazon wish list that you can donate other sensory items for our sensory pod project, um, noise canceling headphones, weighted mm -hmm. blankets, uh, other sensory items that um, people on the autism spectrum use. Um, we're hoping to have a golf tournament. Our first, it will be Building Hope for Autism golf tournament in um, July. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully um, around the 13th we're looking at it's it'll be a Friday we'd love for people to come and spend the day with us either golfing or volunteering however they want uh, we also offer the first year uh, we had a free family fun day which was amazing and we want to do that again um, so volunteering for that uh, we're always looking for um, uh, we had some amazing people come out and donate their time. Um, the funnel cake truck guy, Tracy shaved ice, um, uh, smoke on wheels barbecue. Um, we had we had a great great fun day. Uh, tons of people, um, friends and family members of my, myself and the board members came, and we had a little carnival set up um, that a friend put together and it was a great day. We want to continue to have those as much as we can when we, when it's safe to do so. The Jewish Community Center uh, generously donated their space for that. It was, it was a fun, fun day. Building hope for autism. We're talking to Mario Stone Street and something that she's very, very passionate about. What do you want people to know, bottom line about the organization that they may not realize? All the money that we raise in Kansas City stays in Kansas City. Um, I think um, that's important for a lot of reasons, but when you know that you're donating to an organization right here, your money is staying right here to help people in your community. Um, autism is a communication disorder, and the thing that we have been able to identify at Building Hope for Autism is how to fill that void of helping people um, with that. Um, many times individuals use iPads to communicate. And so through our sensory project, we're able to award iPads to individuals that have aged out of uh, the public school system because those iPads don't go home with them. And so if they're underinsured or they don't have insurance, uh, they're not able to get an iPad and they're not able to communicate within their home or within their community. So that's one thing we're really, really proud of as an organization that we've been able to identify as a strong need here in Kansas City. Building hope for autism. Thank you so very much, Maria Stone Street. Up next, we're going to hear from Ted and Beth. They're former broadcasters from Kansas City, and they have started a couple's COVID podcast. We'll listen to that coming up. Hang on, there's more on the way with Kathy Quinn and Casey Forum. Back now, Casey Forum right here on this podcast. I'm Kathy Quinn. Ted Ishler, Beth Albright, both former broadcasters here in Kansas City. I got to talk to him. We started off, we've known each other forever. I wanted to know about their little baby boy, Brooksy, but he wasn't so little anymore. He is um, engaged. He just got engaged <clears throat> in August, and he's getting his PhD in um, political science and international relations. 
Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he's at the University of California, Irvine, just up the road. That's kind of what we're doing out here. here because he was going to be in a doctoral program that was like four or five years long. And we were in freezing cold Wisconsin and we thought whatever it takes to get back out here so that we're 20 minutes from him. And they were just over here all weekend. They came in Friday night. They, they don't go to class. They're both in, in school and they've been living together. I think since March, April. Yeah. It's all online. Classes. Yeah. All online. And so they're so totally isolated. They go bonkers because they don't see any friends. They don't see anybody. <clears throat> they just come over here and they stay over there and they come over here and they stay over there. <laughs> it is scary. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is really scary. Um, yeah, California is you know. in terrible shape right now. California yeah. is just scary to be out anywhere right now. I've been home isolating since March. Oh. I don't get him go anywhere. He goes, does the grocery stores. I don't do anything. Yeah. Where, where did you get the idea of doing the podcast? Actually, a friend of mine that I worked with at uh, another a network a while back said he was, he was doing a podcast and he was trying to start a podcast network and he wanted us to do one for his little podcast network. And then, so we started thinking about what we could do because he thought marriage, he said marriage shows are a big deal. You know, that's kind of a popular thing. And then, then at the last minute he pulled out, he said, oh, I've had some things come up. So I can't do it. So we like, had gotten everything right. done. We've been working with him for like two or three months. What kind of microphones do we need to buy? What, what, what should the title of the show be? They ran a title check through some sort of test. And we had come up with three or four different titles that he could choose from. He said, this one, how are we still married? It's the one we're going to go with. Everything was kind of ready to go. And then all of a sudden he wasn't there. So we thought, all right, we'll just do it ourselves. Well, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well do yeah. it ourselves and we gave it a shot. We don't know the technical side of things, but he he kind of talked us through what we needed to do and Ted did a bunch of online research. And we thought, why don't we just try it on our own? Yeah. Well, so I mean, that we've done some fun with it, telling the story. You guys, you've done everything else. <laughs> yeah. Why everything. not? And our score. Yeah, our, our stories are crazy anyway, you know, so it's like, yeah. Nobody believes them. That's, I mean, Devin has known us for a, a long, long time. And I think Brooks was. I don't know how old we were, 11 years old, 12 years old, and we went to Nashville. And that's where Ted met Devin. And so he's known us for a long time, and he's heard a lot of these stories. And he's like, oh, my God, for real. Like, we know media stories. Everybody has crazy media stories, but ours are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, this kid in a basement who pretended to be a producer or a program director. He had yeah. the low voice. He sounded like a man. I talked to him on the phone a number of times. I believe that's why I was let go eventually in Birmingham because I think they thought I was about to get another job. He would call me at work and stuff like that. And then we drive up to Cincinnati, kids 13 years old in a basement. <laughs> who has that story? Yeah. So those, those are the kinds of, yeah, we've had so many crazy We're talking stories. to his mom. Yeah. We're standing on his porch talking to the kid's mom. It's like, oh, he did that again? Oh, oh. No. oh. <laughs> cost me my job. Oh my God. Okay, so this is the latest in the series of your life. Uh, yeah. What has the response been like to the podcast so far? It's, it's been really good. People just can't believe that our stories are even real, you know, yeah. because uh, all the stuff we've done, like, like we, um, you know, when we first met, we were in New York City. We were at, the, we met when we were interning at CNN. We didn't really like each other. Um, and then I was interning. Competitive. Yeah. We always thought Rock'em Sock'em Robots should have been on the top of our wedding cake. <laughs> I, I interned at, at uh, NBC in New York, and then we'd go over there late at night and take photos on the 
on the news sets. I think we have pictures of us kissing on the NBC news set and, and the Today Show set and all this Two in the stuff. morning, we're thought, what should we do? And we pull off the tarps and do these kissing, you know, romantic photos and they're all on all the news sets. Yeah, but, but yeah, having, you know, we've lived like 35 different, well, we've moved 35 different times and lived in, in 35, yeah, well, I don't know. We've been all over that. I can't even, I can't even, I can't even yeah, remember. Yeah. So in Kansas City, you hear you guys were here you were on tv you were on radio how do you keep that thing how do you keep it together and tell us it anything was, special difficult. moments about kansas city tell us about kansas city um we loved loved living there loved it i have so much to do with brooks brooks was our uh he's our son and he was so into trains Kansas City's so into trains, yeah. so it was perfect for him. We would go down and just watch trains go by. We'd and go down to Union Fritz, Station. Fritz's, yeah, Fritz's was a big hangout delivery. for us. Brooks loved yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Brooks was just two months old when we moved there, and then we were, we were there We were for there until he was five, yeah. We, that was one of the longest places we lived was Kansas City. But we, yeah, we loved the plaza. We loved, uh, you know, it was a, it's a great place to, to raise, raise a family, and, yeah, uh, we were perfect. Just, yeah. And, and with trains as, as the centerpiece, that was just like everything to him. So yeah. it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, and it's so pretty. It's such a pretty city. Yeah. Just I gorgeous. remember when Brooks got sick and Ted had to stay home with you. Brooks would get sick. Oh. Ted had to stay home. And I went, what? Yeah. Well, so, here, so here's a funny story. <laughs> so Beth, Beth was on the radio. <laughs> Beth was on the radio at uh, one of the stations there doing a... a, a, a talk show and I, I was a reporter and so one of the times I was out riding around with my photographer Jonathan Jonathan <laughs> um, and we we're listening to Beth's show and Beth comes on the air and says Ted took Brooks's clothes to the trash today so you want to tell that story? yeah so I you know I can't get him to answer if She's he's not going to answer phone. his phone, I'm just going to say it on the air because I will embarrass him for not answering my phone call. I'm in a break. I'm calling and saying, oh, my God, the nanny, we had a nanny at the time. She's calling us saying, I can't find, I could, as I said, you know, if, you, if he's napping, fold the clothes. So he's, she's supposed to be folding clothes. And she's like, I opened up all the bags and they're full of trash. So, so I, I'm like, oh my God, he took the freaking laundry to the curb. And left the trash inside. And left the trash inside. <laughs> like, isn't there a difference in so, like how it feels? So I go on the air and I, I say it, I say it out loud, Ted, guess what you did this morning? And Jonathan He just he just pulls over and just can't <laughs> stop laughing. And he still to this day I still keep up with him and he's just like, Oh, the old trash at the curb, the old fresh clothes at the curb. Yeah. <laughs> so Brooks had no baby clothes. Three yeah. or four big laundry bags of Brooks's baby clothes went to the trash. So uh, too bad we had to go shopping. Well, Beth would always tell our life <laughs> stories uh, on the air there, and I'd, yeah. I'd take heat for them. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. being together, I mean, you guys are together all the time now. You're, I mean, all the time. What is the secret to thirty-five years, guys? Uh, individual space so <laughs> he can go do his thing and I'm I'm writing novels now and I still run my children's theater in Wisconsin and so I'm doing my thing and then when it's time for us to dive into the the, the British crime dramas that we've been <laughs> literally marinating in um, that's we, we meet in the middle <laughs> well and, and also I think having having a project to do together like this podcast thing has been good for us yeah um, and moving you know, moving has been a project well but we, yeah not during COVID but <laughs> But yeah, I, you know, I, I think always having something that you can do together that a shared experience, whatever, even we've, we have a huge chest full of photos of all of our years we thought we'd go through sometime together. But just talking about our old stories, you know, from our podcast and, and you know, that kind of stuff just is, 
I think brings couples together and makes it not where you want to just like bang heads like ah. I want to see you and, anymore. And, and we've been, we have been best friends, even though best friends who competitive and argue and all those sorts of things. I mean, at the end of the day, it's wherever he is, that's where I'm going to be. And so I'll, I follow him and, you know, he's followed me on a, a couple jobs and I don't know, we just always felt like together was where we were. And then the rest of it was just life. So is, is COVID too much togetherness during COVID? Has it been too much? For me, I don't think so. No, I, th I think for some people, it you know, I, there's other people that I work with. They're like, oh, I can't take another day. Yeah. Home. I, oh my I've, god. I've got to yes. go into the office because it's just too much. But, yeah. Our um, uh, our neighbors. God, <laughs> not, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, right <laughs> but yeah. I mean, they're like. And then I, I hear like a lot of my girlfriends in, in, in Wisconsin still call me and they're saying the exact same thing. Like, oh my God, he's got to get out of here. I've got to get him out of my, out from under my feet. And no, I mean, I'm, a, I'm all right with you, Paul. It, it it, you know, <laughs> it can get irritating. And like, uh, like our son who is in a PhD program, he lives with his girlfriend and they don't go to class because it's all online. Yeah. And so they, they basically met and like a month later, COVID it happened. It was and decide sort of, if they were going to be together or not. Yeah. That's like a, a good judge. To, it's sort of like dog years. It's like they spent one, one year in COVID lockdown is like seven years uh, in normal life. So it, it's a good way to know if, if the person is right for you or not. I mean, Ted and I met in 1983 and I don't think we've been apart very much since then. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Tell so. me, each one of you give me a tip on staying married for so long. Go ahead. <laughs> Defer to the other one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's always, always good to keep, keep things new and to... Um, like in a new place, keep moving. We, we've, we've moved a lot. But, and, and I think just that shared experience, it's, all, you know, it's, it's good to have those things that you can do together, that you have fun with together. Um, and, you know, and so we've, we've discovered that through many different things throughout the years. But I think that's probably one of the, the key things, just not to... You know, it's good to have your own kinds of things going on also, but then also to have that shared experience. Yeah. And I think both of us being in a similar industry, you know, we're, we just kind of, we, I have somebody to talk to, you know, it's like Brooks has with his girlfriend, they're really philosophical and deep and very academic. We're not deep at and all. We're not, no. No. <laughs> but, but you know, we, we love Broadway shows. We, we love to travel and there's so many commonalities that at the end of the day, this, that's the person that I want to talk to and tell my day about. And I think, you know, for me, when I met Ted in 1983 and I was going to move back to where I'm from in Alabama, I kept thinking, how am I going to go every day and like not see this guy anymore? And I, he wasn't even my boyfriend. I had another boyfriend, but I just couldn't figure out how to go without seeing him. So that was like my soul kind of telling me this is your guy right here. <laughs> well, Kathy, you know, you have stories too right, because having right. been married as long as we have. As long that, as we, uh, almost to the day. <laughs> yeah, you tell us. So he, we says can, I, he says I lassoed him and brought him over. <laughs> <laughs> I may have done the same thing. Brought him From, down to Alabama yeah. and graduated and then off we went with our U-Haul. The, the, the biggest regret is we didn't buy stock in U-Haul. <laughs> yeah, really. Hilarious. The podcast is called How Are We Still Married? Ted Ishler, Beth Albright, they are hilarious, guys. You got to listen to it. All right, uh, but you can't listen to us anymore because we're over. That's it.
It's in the can. Number 12. I love it. I'm Kathy Quinn thanking KQKC Broadcasting Music and Educational Foundation. They help us. They're 501c3. Katie Connors, our executive producer. Andrina Byrne, our associate producer. And, of course, the elders who allow us to use their music for our bumper music. And uh, we're going to end with the song today. And, of course, i got to thank Fox 4, too, for allowing us to have a podcast right here on the website. You can send it to your friends. Until next time, we are going to close right now with the song from the elders. Until next time, see ya. Cloudy days and stormy nights All alone Without a fight Understanding I am lost Up in the sky The golden ghost Walking footsteps My own Can changes hope I last Can I see the light ahead Golden ghost wants me dead Golden ghost wants me Watch your back the most